Well, here are a few of the top headlines we've been following on the Japan Today website this week. Former Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn walked out of a detention center for a second time late on Thursday. Freed on 500 million yen bail, which is close to 5 million US dollars, after agreeing to curbs on contacting his wife as he awaits trial on financial misconduct charges. And Japanese scientists have succeeded in creating what they call the first ever artificial crater on an asteroid. This announcement comes after the Hayabusa 2 probe fired an explosive device at the Ryugu asteroid earlier this month to blast a crater in the surface and scoop up material. They're aiming to reveal more about the origins of life on Earth. In politics, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe on Thursday asked the leaders of three Central European countries for help in its long dispute with North Korea over the abductions of Japanese citizens decades ago. Abe met the Prime Ministers of Slovakia, the Czech Republic, and Poland, and Hungary's Finance Minister at the Japan-EU Summit in Brussels. And the main building of the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Museum, a very important piece of history here in Japan, reopened Thursday after undergoing a two-year renovation with some additional photos and victims' belongings put on display. Themed the reality of the atomic bombing, this reopened building focuses on using personal items to introduce the lives of some of the individuals who fell victim to the U.S. atomic bombing in 1945. Welcome to Japan This Week. I'm Jeff Richards. It's great to have you back. Normally, at this point, we bring you a quick recap of all of the important stories we're following on the Japan Today website. But this week, and next week, and probably the week after that, the top story all across Japan is the abdication of the current emperor, Akihito, next week, and the crowning of Prince Naruhito, his son, as the next emperor of Japan, something that will usher in the new Reiwa era. Now, all of this, of course, well, it's of course to me, maybe not to you, but this is all happening as Japan celebrates its annual Golden Week. Golden Week is a series of national holidays that are so close together, usually results in a nice week of consecutive days off for the overworked Japanese salaryman and all the employees out there. So in honor of that, this week on JTW, we'd like to bring you a very special edition of the podcast in which we look back on the past 30 years of the Heisei era, which began on January the 8th, 1989, and which will end next week on April 30th, 2019, when Emperor Akihito abdicates. Enjoy. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Heisei era, the era of the current Emperor Akihito, began on January 8th, 1989. This period has been a tumultuous time for Japan. It's been marked by natural disasters, the collapse of the bubble economy, revolving door prime ministers, some shocking crimes, and last but not least, some pretty weird and pretty wonderful pop culture fads, fashions, and styles. When Heisei began, in 1989, Japan was at the height of the asset-inflated bubble economy. The Nikkei stock average hit an all-time high of almost 39,000 points on the final trading day in 1989. 
But just a few years later, Japan's bubble economy burst, and any of us who were around then remember what happened after that. It put an end to the country's stable growth phase and led to roughly three lost decades, as they call it here in Japan, of stagnation. And of course, affected the world at large with some financial crises of its own. Following a series of other financial crises, including the one triggered by the 2008 collapse of U.S. investment bank Lehman Brothers, the Lehman shock, as it referred to here, Japan's economy fell from the world's second largest after the United States to the third, losing that position, one it had held for 42 years, to China in 2010. The era's first major natural disaster occurred on January 15, 1995, when the great Hanshin earthquake devastated Kobe and its vicinity, killing more than 6,400 people. Now, Japan is no stranger to natural disasters and earthquakes. They happen very regularly here. But the era's worst calamity was yet to come. On March 11, 2011, I was here working in Tokyo when it happened. The Great East Japan Earthquake with a magnitude 9.0 hit Northeast Japan, triggering a tsunami that killed nearly 20,000 people and caused meltdowns at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. Many people to this day are still in temporary housing due to that event. Any of us that were here in Japan at the time, it's a moment we will never ever forget. One thing about the current emperor. During his 30-year reign, Emperor Akihito often traveled with Empress Michiko to areas that had been struck by natural disasters. Images of the informally dressed couple kneeling down to talk with survivors at evacuation centers helped to bring the secluded imperial family just a little closer to the public. In politics, we saw many changes during the course of the Heisei era. It was a time of revolving door prime ministers, one after the other, starting with Nobru Takeshita, who quit in June 1989 over a shares for favors scandal. Consequently, 17 prime ministers served, 17, including the current prime minister Shinzo Abe, twice, with only Junichiro Koizumi from 2001 to 2006, and Abe, in his current term, showing any type of staying power. The long-ruling conservative Liberal Democratic Party, the LDP, which was formed in 1955, was briefly ousted in 1993, but returned in an alliance with socialists the next year. In 2009, the LDP was toppled again by the Democratic Party of Japan, whose rocky rule under three premiers ended when Abe led the LDP back to power in 2012. And his much-touted Abenomics has not resulted in high higher wages, and the country faces many, many problems such as declining birth rate, shrinking workforces, and spiraling health and welfare costs. There were also rumbles over Japan's constitution. In 1991, Japan, which is constrained by a pacifist post-war constitution instituted by the United States, sent cash, but no troops, to the first Gulf War conflict. Stung by criticism of the move as just being checkbook diplomacy, governments here stretched the limits of the Constitution. They dispatched troops to Iraq on a reconstruction mission in 2004 and enacted legislation in 2015 that would allow its military to fight abroad for the first time, for the first time since the end of World War II in 1945. Japan has increased military outlays under Abe. His government wants to revise the pacifist Constitution to clarify that the military's status is ambiguous, but the public remains divided. 
Well, the Heisei era also witnessed some very vicious crimes. The worst occurred on March 20th, 1995, when members of the Aum Shinrikyo cult carried out a sarin nerve agent attack on the Tokyo subway system. This attack killed 13 people, injuring at least 5,800, and it shattered the country's myth of public safety. Last summer, 13 of those cult members, including leader Shoko Asahara, were hanged for that very crime. Well, let's switch it up here and move on from some of the heavier stuff. There were plenty of fads that came and went and came back again, especially in pop culture, entertainment, and fashion during the course of the last 30 years. When the Heisei era began, women here were sporting scarlet red lipstick, bushy eyebrows, and long fashionable hair. After the bubble economy burst, though, gyaru, or teenage gals, as they were known, became the heart of the fashion trends right around the mid-1990s. Singer Namie Amuro was a major influencer then, with many female followers known as Amura adopting her fashion and makeup styles. They shaved their eyebrows real thin, dyeing their hair brown, trying to make their faces look as small and petite as possible through really ingenious makeup shading techniques. After that, though, came the new Gyaru look, distinguished by bronzed skin, I would almost call it orange, and the use of thick and dark eyeliners. Its offshoot, Yamamba, was a style in which young women painted around their eyes, bridge of the nose and lips with white and light makeup contrasting with that super dark orangey skin. In the 1990s, Japanese pop culture, in the form of anime and manga, swept the wider world with the likes of Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon leading the way. Many of these manga were translated into multiple foreign languages, became a phenomena unto itself, and were made into big-budget Hollywood movies. Among the homegrown giants was director Hayao Miyazaki and his Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli produced Spirited Away, one of the most beloved of animated films here in Japan and across the world, and it won a 2003 Academy Award. Foreign fans also joined their Japanese counterparts in cosplay, dressing up as their favorite anime characters. In Japan, they would go out to popular parks in Shibuya and in in Ueno, and across the world they would do this at events and exhibitions. And of course, who could forget Pico Taro and PPAP. I have a pen, I have an apple, uh, apple pen, I have a pen, I have pineapple, uh, pineapple pen. Technology. It moves so fast these days, it's hard to keep up, but you gotta remember, back in the late 80s, Japan was still known for its electronic components and the stuff that it was creating tech-wise. Do you remember Tamagotchi? Tamagotchi were those super popular digital pets that became mega popular around the world in the 1990s. Well, that fad as all fads do, eventually subsided in the early 2000s, but the pets have become popular yet again. My nieces are into them. Robotics were big in Japan during Heisei, led by Toyota's music-playing robots, Honda's soccer-playing Asimo, and Sony's Aibo pet dogs, which were a little creepy if you ask me, but I guess cute, not cuddly. And, of course... 
the mobile game Pokemon Go, an augmented reality mobile application game, call it what you will, that swept the world in 2016 and 2017. And of course, one of my personal favorite developments by the Japanese technological innovations that they've done have been the high-tech toilets that they've developed. The country has gone from having facilities where you didn't know which was the front and which was the back or how to use it properly to being cutting edge in bathroom technology. The toilets do everything for you. They clean, they wipe, they dry, they play music, they make the air a little fresher. The lids open automatically when you walk in and close and flush automatically when you walk out. There is absolutely nothing like it anywhere else in the world. It really makes you wonder what the Reiwa era will usher in. Japan Today readers have been with us for most of the Heisei era. Japan Today first went online in 2000, which would have been Heisei 12. And since that time, one constant in life has been the voluminous amount of witty, insightful, and sometimes crass comments from our readers. All good for a laugh, though. How do they view the Heisei era? We've pulled out just a few for you to digest. Disillusion says, To me, it was the era of the decline of the Japanese economy. They went from economic heroes to economic zeros in a few short decades. Yes, it is still the world's third largest economy, but it's also the world's slowest recovering economy. Let's hope the coming era is one of domestic prosperity and wealth sharing. All the recent international scandals involving Japanese corporations has damaged Japan's international reputation. Well, thank you, Disillusioned. I can agree with uh, part of that. I know you're being abrupt there, but yes, the uh, economic power has gone from very high to not quite as high in just a short time. A lot of the recent international scandals involving the corporations, the justice system, look at Carlos Ghosn now, various other things have sort of lowered Japan in the world's esteem, but let's hope that we're going to get that back on track in the Rewa era. X-Res regards the Heisei period as one of economic, social, and moral decline of Japan, along with declining world influence. The only rise has been that of an ugly nationalism. I hear what you're saying, X-Res. I think we've seen an ugly rise of nationalism all across the world right now. It's probably got a lot to do with weaker, poorer segments of society feeling a little disenfranchised and the top echelon of society feeling just that much more powerful and unique. Maybe we can turn this around. We've got a new era ahead of us, so let's see if we can do something positive with it. Transparent points out, No nation is perfect, but Japan was one of the best places to visit and live during the Heisei era. I don't care for the current nationalistic government of Abe, but that is what usually happens when the populace of a country feel neglected and abused. They turn to nationalism. Another interesting comment, of course, turning to that rise of nationalism at the end, but I agree with the first part. No nation is perfect. Reckless believes the entire country is entering a midlife crisis with the median age about 47. This is a period of angst and recognition of declining power and influence, but maybe more stability and serenity. This trend will only continue and accelerate. Great comment, Reckless. I think that's a really good analogy. And for our final comment, something a little more closer to home, something a little more personal, as Trinklets 2 looks at the era from her own personal point of view. Got married to a Japanese man, gave birth to a son who's now 28, got divorced, got widowed, got a job, 
I'm now jobless, so much learning, and I must thank all those years. And right now, just before my birthday, and just before the Heisei era ends, wishing to have new, gainful employment with no discrimination at all. Wow, well, I think that uh, quite sums things up. It's fairly sentimental, a lot like this past Heisei era. Happiness, birth, endings, more endings, trying new things, losing those things and getting them all back. That's kind of how we do it. Well, I thank you. I thank the commenters for their insight. A lot to digest there and a lot to reflect on too. This has been a very generational time in Japan, living through this change into quite literally and officially a new Japanese era. But I'd like to ask you, what are your thoughts? What do you think about the events of the Heisei period or just the period itself? What do you think of the new era that's coming, Reiwa? And what do you think it has in store for the country, the new emperor, and Japan's wonderful people? Send us an email to podcast at japantoday.com and please let us know your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. That was a quick recap of the news and the last 30 years from Japan this week for this Friday, April 26th, 2019. Thanks to the Japan Today editors for curating this week's stories. Thanks for the Japan Today readers for being with us since the year 2000. Thanks to Kamasami Kong for helping me out with some production and some of his ancient memories. Most of all, thanks to you, all of our listeners, for continuing to tune in. You can find links to the news I mentioned in this podcast in the show notes. And of course, since the news from Japan never stops, you can and you should visit the Japan Today website anytime at japantoday.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at at japantoday for all of the breaking stories or even check us out on Instagram at the handle japantodaynews. If you'd like to tweet at me directly, send something out. I'm at Jeff W. Richards. Ask me a question. Call me on my facts. Do whatever you need to do. Help us out, won't you, by sharing the JTW podcast with your friends or others who are interested in current events here. And hey, why don't you leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts? That would certainly help us out and get us set up for the next 30 years. Thanks. From the Japan Today newsroom at G Plus Media in Tokyo, I'm Jeff Richards. And join us again in the next era on May 10th with a quick recap of Japan's biggest and smallest stories. Sayonara, folks. <laughs>